Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy and here he is, home. ladies and gentlemen, well Every rested and back from his holiday man. break, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And it, uh, yeah, Happy New Year and Happy all New that. Year. Yeah. And uh, you say it's a brilliant studio audience. It is. Yeah. Um, so, like, Trump could come here. Because <laughs> he's, like, really smart. Yeah, like, really. <laughs> Holy mackerel. We got, God, it's it's bizarre that you would say that because the other night I picked up from the, uh, we we have a, an old answering machine in the podcast office and certain people have gotten that number over time. Yeah. One of them is Melania Trump. Oh, right. And as you I know, she that. has dropped messages on She's her answering machine. hiding in the, in the White House bathrooms making Something. phone calls at night. And, that, and there's no callback <laughs> number, so I've never talked to her. If you want to know the truth, I've never yeah. talked to her. Yeah. I just get I, these messages. I believe that's the truth. You would believe that. It'd be unlikely that I would talk to somebody <laughs> like Melania Trump. no way she would talk to you, but go now, ahead. Well, before I do, yeah. let me just mention our musical guest tonight is uh, Ray Vietti. Yep. He is part of the Harm Brothers yep. from Portland, Oregon. And Ray is in town. He is the artist in residence at Southgate House Revival, which That's is a very a cool, cool, cool place. venue here yep. in the northern Kentucky yep. area, greater Cincinnati area. And uh, it, it's really, let's circle back to Milani in a second, but it's really cool that these really good artists, because the Harm Brothers are significant in this yep. genre of Americana mm-hmm. music, and uh, so Ray will come in. He's in here as a solo act, and he'll come and stay in Ludlow, Kentucky, do this artist in residency. And that is all part of this thing I keep bragging about that Ludlow is this headquarters mm-hmm. now, at least in part, Ludlow is a headquarters of what we call the creative class. It's very cool. And Jerry also, mm-hmm. a little bit later, is going to talk about uh, celebrity and politics, something that he sure as hell would know something about. But uh, Melania, yeah. apparently this phone message has to do with the fact that Donald goes around and tells anybody who will listen that he's a genius. And he's yeah. always talking about the great school that he had gone yeah. to. Didn't even, you know, usually when you say the Wharton School of Economics, yeah. it's usually a master's degree, like Harvard Business right. School. Yeah. You got an undergraduate degree from the Wharton School, which is what? Penn State, I guess, or yeah. Penn yeah. State. Anyway. Uh, I want you to hear this message because it's on the issue of how smart is Donald. David, do you have that? Let's cue that up. Melania Trump left this message. Hello, Jerry. This is Melania. Have you heard what people are saying? That my Donald is crazy and dumber than shovel? I can assure you that he's a very smart and completely stable man. Why, just yesterday, he brought whole family and house servants into the living room, and he said that he tells us that he is a genius and that he is, in fact, stable. And each time he said he is stable, he hit his forehead with the heel of his hand like this. I am stable. I am stable. I am stable. Hmm. So please tell your listeners that everything is fine here in the big White House. Anyway, I have to go back to TV room. Donald is watching SpongeBob and the SquarePants, and now he wants his big neck. Ciao, Bella. Mwah, mwah. That's, oh, that's not wow. That poor yeah. woman. Yeah, you really. I, I really feel for her. And she took the <laughs> time. You have to always call had me. a very w- 
soft sort of spot, soft spot yeah. in your heart. I for feel her. bad for yeah. Melania. <laughs> yeah, I know. She didn't sign up for all this nonsense. No, yeah. she really didn't. <laughs> but there's comfort in knowing that, that you know he's a genius. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by Sponge, the way, SpongeBob's a good show. It's a great show. It's a good show. <laughs> yeah, it is a way good show. existential. Yeah. <laughs> you guys remember Ask the Lifeguard? Yes. Oh, yeah. That yeah. website, askthelifeguard.com. Yes. Speaking of uh, brilliant, because Ask the Lifeguard, Dr. Gregory Schran mm-hmm. has a PhD, medieval literature, something from Rice University. <laughs> and um, so. That blew up our website, in fact. Blew up our website. We had, to separate, internet, them. I we had to separate yeah. them for a while because we yeah. had them in one place with like our servers couldn't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> but Megan, he called the other day. I actually talked to him. He'll, he'll talk to you. He'll talk to me. <laughs> he'll talk That's to you. <laughs> he said with the new year, the advent of the new year, he said, tell Jerry. He's kind of, I think he's kind of a celebrity suck up because he'll talk, call me to yeah, get you. Yeah, but call me. Yeah. Tell Jerry. Well, remember. he wouldn't get through if he could. <laughs> get through. He said, look, tell your people that for the new year, let's all make this resolution. And it's a swimming safety thing. He said, tell Jerry, and this is pertinent to you because you're solo exercise, because you've talked about this. You get up in the morning, you, your house in Florida, and you, you swim out in exercise? the... Yeah. But don't you swim out in the open ocean every morning for your exercise? Well, they did knee bends in the shower. That was the extent of the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the exercise that went on well, at the Springer Estate. when I dropped the soap, other than that... <laughs> I didn't think no he did really bend. any other. <laughs> no, I mean open water swimming out there in Sarasota. Yeah. You bend down, all you do is come back up. So what was yeah. the point? What's Stay the there point? in the first place. <laughs> Ask the lifeguard said, "Tell Jerry to do what? always swim with a buddy." Do you have any friends in Florida no. that would swim with That's you? That's why I don't know how to swim. <laughs> swim. I never had Nikki was like, "See ya, good no, luck." No, she's not going out there with <laughs> Drive me. Drive fast, take chances. Yeah. Okay, another thing I have to quickly report, still no response for Running Wild with Bear Grylls. That's weird. That's that TV show on NBC. Yeah. Bear Grylls, a survivalist kind of guy, takes celebrities out and they climb. You mean they won't even, on a no, serious re- note. No freaking response. They don't Nothing. even respond. It's not like they <laughs> Crickets. say, we're not going to take Jerry. Nothing. They don't even respond Nothing. to the request. I think we need Because I'm not going to do it anyway, but why wouldn't they? They don't know that. <laughs> But by God, Jerry they would climb respond. climb in the face of a mountain. Are you kidding, Are you kidding me? No response. Here's what I think we should do. I think we should, as they say in that business, rig Jerry, rig him up, and go over on some mountain. We live near the Red, Red River Gorge. Mm-hmm. World-class climbing. Put Jerry on a, right down a rope nest. and with some guides <laughs> and go do that. And then video that, Megan, with your phone. Sure. And then email that up to Bear Grylls. <laughs> And say, look, his ass is, look at look what he's there. doing up there. <laughs> look at that. Because they don't believe you could do it. And they're right. And they're correct. <laughs> <laughs> they nailed that. Do we, st- remember when we went to, uh, with the bikers. In Sturgis. Sturgis. Yeah. And I did the zip line. Rope, the zip line. It was awesome. We had a video of that with me, like an It's an in old file man. footage. We have it. We were really trying to put that on the website. God, we should. I would, I've would. i never seen that video. I'd love to see that. It, you screaming. Uh, it's and, me screaming, and it's it's and pathetic. And the crowd going, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> and I'm on a zip line. I'd say at least 100 feet up. Oh, yes. It, oh, more. yes. Yes, 100 Over feet this up. place of about 3,000 people <clears throat> right. in this place in Sturgis, all bikers up for the rally there. And 
and I'm and Gene gets me up there and then pushes me off it and I'm scared. on a lie. Got you up there on a lie. You got me up there on a lie. You yeah. said, "Oh, you're because they were say filming. The, they're videoing all this for uh, the show called Full Throttle Saloon. It was a reality mm-hmm. TV show. Place burned down. They stopped the show, and." But they said, the guy, the handler with TV crew said, does Mr. Springer want to do anything else? Because we were kind of done. And they shot a bunch of footage. And I says he wants to ride the zip line. And then wrestle around. He does? I just hope he said that. So they said, come with us. And I thought they'd take me, I don't know, to some meeting. VIP room somewhere. And it's like a spiral staircase. Wooden staircase. That goes up and up. And at no point in climbing these stairs did you think maybe? I I did. (laughs) There's not a meeting. There's not a meeting room up there. The staircase is like two feet wide. (laughs) So you can't go down because there are people behind you. Huh. And Gene's yeah. behind me, and I said, "What are you? What are we doing?" And you just said, "Go oh, ahead. You'll oh, love this it. is good. You're this is love good. This. You'll love this." And then I get up there, and I'm really frightened. But there's no crying. That made it on better. <laughs> that made it better. By the way, just kind of pee yourself. And I am, the this. video, which I didn't realize, is I'm in the fetal position, <laughs> wearing a suit. I mean, everyone else is like cool. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shirt. And I am like this. Yeah. It was wonderful. And going screaming as I'm going in while people are chanting. Do you want to know how, how irresponsible horrible. they were, Megan, at that place? When we got up to the top, there were two, there, they happened to be women. There were riggers that are putting yeah. on the stuff, the, yeah. all ropes up. And we got to the top, and Jerry's behind me, so we didn't hear any of this. And I said, uh, they said, is Jerry Springer, really Jerry Springer? I said, yeah, he really doesn't want to do this. So you have to rig him fast and then just push him off. And they said, <laughs> Got it. so here's what they should have said. Mr. Galvin, they that's not said, responsible. That is not what we do. <laughs> yeah. We don't do that. What they said was, oh, we got this. <laughs> we got this. Remember that? That is the truth. Yeah, it is the and truth. And they said, Mr. Springer, uh, it's like they're a pair of pants. Put your right leg through this hole here, and they pull it up around his crotch. Stick your leather through the and hair. I, the only this is, is going to hurt a little bit, Mr. Springer, and they tighten that thing down. <laughs> and the face that way, Mr. Springer, and Jerry's eyes are getting bigger. And then he, what do I do? And they just went, boom, and they push it. <laughs> and, and, hey, look, and once you're off the platform, you're screwed. You're well, then it drops, the and then it's gravity after oh, that. Yeah, yeah. But gravity. you got to get your legs out. Yeah. Yeah, they forgot to, to tell make you that. The platform. Yeah, they <laughs> Otherwise, you go, you go back. Oh, did you get right stuck in like the middle of it? Well, it almost, because at the end, <laughs> no. they said, put out the people on the other side. Put your legs Straighten out. your legs. Straighten your legs. <laughs> hey, do you, you want to know why you didn't get stuck in the middle? Because they'll tell you on zip lines, if you've ever ridden zip lines, yeah. that if you're going in, as they would call it, too, too hot, mm-hmm. you spread out like a, fly, like a squirrel. Yep. And slow you down. If you're coming in too cold, tuck ball up yep like a cannonball mm-hmm. well he was in a cannonball because he was freaking out he was like all right <laughs> oh my god and, I, and i'm standing there because i was going to go next and i'm standing and these two women are saying oh he's going in really hot <laughs> really hot it's like wily e. coyote man ah, against the side of him and i was i had a sore throat from screaming <laughs> now why can't that was we, a dumb idea why can't it was why can't we take this Pretty cut of audio reason. right here and send yes. it to Bear Grylls? Oh, they would love that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, would you, I've already said this on a previous episode, but I think it would be entertaining as hell to have you on. I watch the show regularly. 
So I know all the banner that's kind of predictably going to happen. You tell life stories while you're doing this. They're in the wilderness for two days. Spend a night out there. They take no food. So no all the food you eat is things he kills and cooks. <laughs> no, that's a fact. Like they'll kill a rattlesnake and he'll skin it and Rattle. then he'll kill and is they'll cook it. Jerry, is that even kosher? Or can they'll eat, eat bugs or they'll eat plants. What that's is the what motivation for this? So you can be entertained? It's entertainment. I'll give you $10, go see a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think this would be rich. See Jerry hey, eating one last thing on this. On the side of a mountain. You went on Dancing with the Stars. Yes. You had no business being on that show, but you did, you and noticed. it was very entertaining. It was entertaining. <laughs> but at least, love you it. know, they're only, uh, you know, a seizure or a heart attack, but it wouldn't. <laughs> nothing uh, else yeah. could happen. Uh, uh, did no. you notice, though, and this is true, every dance I did every week, contrary to everyone else who, all the other people that were competing, every one of my dances ended in the same corner. Because that's where the paramedic was sitting. <laughs> and Kim worked it out. Just in case in at case. the end I was out of breath or something, that I would be right there. They wouldn't have to on national television. Another proud rush moment for Jerry Springer. So I ended every because everyone else kind of ended where yeah. where you know the host is. I ended totally on the up because that's where the paramedic sat. Must be Proud being you, Jerry. You must be proud. We got to make this happen. I, now I'm just no. I'm just pissed off. Now why aren't they returning our call? I mean, that's disrespectful for them not even to respond. Yeah. And respect is something I've always. <laughs> yeah, you've always, he's, I've a, always got he's accustomed it. to respect. So. Oh my God. Dear Lord. I ask you a question. Yes. Celebrity. So you've got this book out. Fire and Fury. You, you've got a copy now, yep. and I have caught and I yep. uh, did it. Yep. Um, and now, and then the other night on the um, Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Thank you. Oprah yep. gave a great speech, very almost uh, Obama-like, and even in the delivery. So there's all this chatter about is she going to run for president? And people closest to her are saying she might. Yeah. She's open to it. Uh, what about this celebrity and politics thing? Is this a healthy? Um, it's inevitable. Whether or not it's healthy is is a separate question. Um, they've been maybe I can deal with it this way. And some of this I've touched on in in, in other podcasts. They've been ever since the depression. They've been two conflicting major political movements in America. And the first one, starting with the election of FDR um, as a result of the Depression, was that if there's a problem, government's going to step in and fix it. And so starting in 1932, in the mid-30s, with FDR, we wound up getting, you know, Social Security work programs, and all the social uh, services that government could possibly do, the feds were in it. The American people, without any complaint from the people that needed the help, were very happy to have the government step in and provide them, whether it was housing uh, or whether it was education, whatever it was, 
they were going to get involved. And from FDR, we went to Truman, and we had uh, for the, the soldiers coming back from the war that they would have uh, the, the federal program, which permitted them to go to college. The federal government was involved in all of that. Even with Eisenhower, it was still, as a Republican, it was still, everyone bought into it. It was the federal government would help out. And with Eisenhower, we had p- perhaps the most significant, uh, one of the most significant um, domestic pieces of legislation in the last century was the Interstate Highway Act, uh, which basically connected America and resulted in the building of suburbs and everything else that came because of that and all those jobs. And then, of course, uh, John Kennedy and LBJ with the Great Society and Medicare, Medicaid, all these programs, even Nixon uh, with the creation of the EPA. So even when you had Republicans, everyone was buying into the general notion that the federal government existed to help out with problems that people have. That was the movement for 50 years. Then along came Ronald Reagan in 1980. And almost as a reaction to that, because things didn't work out well when uh, Carter was president, as a reaction to that, Reagan, the big line with Reagan was, government can't solve problems, government is the problem. And that was the start of the last 40, almost 40 years of virtually everyone running for office being against Washington, being against the political class, being uh, you know uh, uh, against the feds. That's awful. They're the enemy. Government is the enemy. I'll get government off your back. And that has become a movement even reflected in our political commercials. It was like the, the perfect storm. Television started to play a major role in political campaigns with all the commercials. And every single political commercial, with very few exceptions, was how the other guy, the other guy in Washington, the other congressman, the other senator, the other presidential candidate is a bum, ought to be jailed, is a child molester, whatever it is. So we have had 40 years of kids growing up in this country believing that anything having to do with politics or Washington, or the federal government is bad. That is our mindset. Knowing that, it cannot have been surprising that eventually we would have someone elected president who was anti-government, anti-Washington. I mean, we've been preaching it, in, in a sense, for 40 years. Well, so that's the first part to remember. Now, who is this anti-government person going to be? Obviously, it can't be somebody from politics because they've been part of the problem. Well, there are only two areas in America where you can be well-known enough to be elected nationwide. And the only two areas where you can become famous would be either sports or entertainment. Well, athletes are too young to be president. So we should have seen it coming. It was almost inevitable that at some point an anti-government celebrity would be elected president. That's where it would come from. Now, we didn't know it would be Trump, of course, but someone from that area, it can't be a shock. So now in the first year of Trump has been scary. And... Liberals, those of us who are liberal, Democrats, 
comedians. Everyone's been on Trump saying the guy's unstable. He's, you know, everything from a moron, idiot, whatever. Bad words used about him, but a very negative view of the personality, the person of Trump. And this is what we've all said. Well, this past week, the book Fire and Fury comes out. And the truth is, with all these anecdotes about people around the president talking about him being and using the words a moron, an idiot, a jerk, those are the words that are used in the book. We kind of knew that. I mean, there's been so much news about all of that, and we observe him in with his tweets, and we observe him in, in the press conferences. So it, nothing on it was really shocking. But what made this so incredible, this book, is that the quotes in there aren't from the liberals, aren't from the Dems, and aren't from the late-night comedians. They're only from the people who work within the White House, the people that are around him all the time. And every single one of them, as Wolf says, the author, 100%, without exception, every one of them said he has to be handled as a child. He has to be handled because he could go off the deep end or he doesn't understand something or he doesn't read something or whatever. But with his finger on a nuclear button, and remember, it's a bigger button than North Korea has. <laughs> but with all of that, he has to be handled. What makes this so shocking is this is now being said by his own people, and that is frightening. So in this environment, you could say, well, what do we do now? The scary part is that the only two remedies with him there is the 25th Amendment, where you can remove someone from office for, in this case, a mental disability. That's not going to happen. If you have a stroke or a heart attack, that's when the 25th Amendment kicks in because there won't be any debate about it. It won't be political. If a guy's had a stroke, he's had a stroke. So all of a sudden, the cabinet would meet, the vice president would convene it, and they'd get the five votes or the majority of the cabinet members necessary, and the Congress would pass it through. Okay, but we're not in that area. We're in a gray area where there's an interpretation of how unstable this guy is, and that becomes political. Well, it's time to wake up. The Republicans are not going to do it. In fact, we can't get one Republican when it comes time to vote on something to do it. So the idea that the Republican cabinet is going to go and use the 25th Amendment to throw him out of office is just not going to happen. End of story. So the only other remedy then, if he's going to leave before the end of his presidency, is impeachment. But once again, the Republicans, in order to get impeachment, you need, uh, what, uh, two-thirds of the, of the Congress, the Senate, and it's a Republican Congress, it's, that's not going to happen either. So there is no impeachment. There is no 25th Amendment. We've got Trump there unless in this year, 2018, there gets to be a Democratic Congress. And the importance of a Democratic Congress is not just on the impeachment vote. But the importance of a Democratic Congress, it means that all the committee chairmen will now be Democrats. 
and they will have the investigations and they will uncover everything that needs to be uncovered. So that makes 2018 incredibly important. Now, finally, what if we don't get him out? Then everyone's starting to look to 2020. And then last night or two nights ago at the Golden Globes, Oprah give this, gives this incredible speech, and immediately there's talk, oh my gosh, is she running for president? Wouldn't she be a great candidate and all this? And now people are fairly saying on the other side, not even on the other side, just rational people are saying, she's incredibly popular and, oh, we love her and all this and that. And maybe if I vote for her, I'll get a car. Um, <clears throat> But do you have to be a celebrity to be elected president? In other words, are we going down the wrong path here? Just because it's a celebrity we like, you know, is this now become the new standard that you first have to be in show business before you get elected president? Don't, hasn't Trump taught us that we ought to have someone that knows something about government in the highest office of the land? And my response, at least initially, would be this. I don't think being a celebrity should disqualify you out of hand. But nor should it, because you're a famous celebrity, say that you're automatically it. Now, Oprah has tremendous pluses. And me, being a liberal Democrat, I look at her and say, you know, on most issues, she's going to be great because you know she's on our side on a multicultural America. You know she doesn't have a racist or bigoted bone in her body. You know, she's, she's very bright, articulate, very likable, strong with constituencies that are important for a democratic victory. Suburban women, African Americans, minorities, etc. So those are the pluses. However, you are never as popular in politics as you are the day before you announce. Because the day you announce, whoosh, all the attacks start, all the negatives start. You're, see, Oprah has managed to get her celebrity by not having to take tough positions on controversial issues. But once you become a candidate, she's going to have to make some tough choices that are even being debated within the Democratic Party. And then, one by one, you start losing this constituency or that constituency. The greatest asset of Oprah is that she would attract brilliant people to be part of her cabinet. I mean, that's the good news. She is a talent magnet. I mean, you could have a a cabinet of Nobel Prize winners. I mean, think of it in any field, whether it's science, business, whatever it is, Oprah calls, you, you kind of want to be a part of that movement and you would be proud. It's not like with Trump where you're embarrassed. You would be proud to be involved with Oprah. So that's the good news, that unlike Trump, someone without political experience, Oprah without political experience at least would attract the really top people in this country to be a part of it all. So that's the good news. But we don't know how she would react in a time of crisis. 
because there's nothing like it. Show business, you know, you have a bad show, big deal. Tomorrow you do another one. Trust me, I know that. (laughs) So here's what I think she has to do. She has to get involved in 2018. She has to start going out on the stump, taking positions, supporting various congressional candidates, let the opponent start going after her, thicken his skin, enter the presidential primaries. She can't go in as the queen. She's got to go in and earn political stripes. I think she could probably survive it. I don't know for sure, because I don't know. You know, you live your whole life when no one ever criticizes you. You think that person's really strong, but all of a sudden you get hit, and it's not so comfortable anymore, and say, why am I doing this? You know, I could be Oprah. And um, so that's what I think she has to do. If she's serious about this, get to work in 2018, Start going to New Hampshire, Iowa. Become a politician. Don't change your character. Don't change your personality. But get out there and get your feet wet. Because otherwise, we're going to be in for a rude awakening. We'll suddenly say, oh, we got Oprah. That's great. And then come 2020, when the stuff starts hitting and she can't take it and says something she shouldn't have said, we could be in trouble because Trump can get away with saying some pretty awful stuff because we say, well, that's just Trump and he is who he is and, you know, hopefully your kids don't grow up to be like him, but that's just Trump. But with Oprah, it would be too much of a shock. No one was surprised with anything that happened with Trump. But with Oprah, we would be surprised. So she's, she's got to test it out now. And that's, so that's the final line. Celebrity shouldn't stop you from being a politician or a president, but it shouldn't guarantee it either. All right, thank you, Jerry. And as Gene said at the top of our show, we have with us this evening, Ray Vietti. Hi, Ray, how are you? Hi. Member of the Harmed Brothers, and he's here in the uh, in the Tri-State area. Hannah's here with him too. So welcome, Hannah is, guys. Hannah's here with me. So how long are you in the Cincinnati area as the artist in residence at the Southgate House Revival? All month long. All month long. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's a really cool venue. Very very cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's been fun. I've only done one thus far, uh, and then in, my second will be tomorrow. So. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. I now, where know. were you prior to coming to Cincinnati? Were you still with Harmed Brothers or were you touring Yeah, we were. Own? I mean, we were. We haven't played a show since like October, I think. But okay. So I was at home on the West Coast and... Enjoying that weather. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> then you come extent. back here. <laughs> I like it here. I like yeah. the cold. I grew up in Missouri, so... Got it. I miss a, a cold Midwestern winter. You can have ours, sir. You can keep it. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Like All it. right, the first song we're going to hear this evening from Ray is called Bottle to Bottle. Yeah. And we also have Hannah with us this evening. It's yeah. On the violin. Hi, Hannah. <laughs> Hannah's down here at the coffee house, and she's been on our show a couple times, and yes. she's just a part of the family down here at Folk School, so we're excited to have her play as well. Cool. I'll sing you a song.
Now, Ray, it says here we can check you out at harmedbrothers.com. Is there any other place that we can go to listen to some of your solo music? Um, here, the Folk School Coffee yeah, Parlor. Uh, <laughs> I don't really do a lot of solo stuff. It's I'm mostly just playing Harm Brothers songs and uh, okay. works in progress. Very so, cool. Um, very, yeah. very cool. Well, if you are in the Cincinnati area, South Great, Southgate House Revival is one heck of a venue. So if you have a chance to swing by and see Ray in the next month, I would highly recommend it. Um, and our next song from you, sir, is A Life in Progress. Is that correct? Yeah, it's called A Life in Progress. All right, it's let's about hear my it, life. <laughs> <laughs> Life on the road without love Just turning the van around And coming on back home Yeah, I'm thinking about giving it up Cause this dream don't reciprocate love It's as cold as ice in the middle of July Be the last time they play. 
Ray Vietti, and he was accompanied by Hannah. Thank you, Miss Hannah. That was lovely, lovely. Thank um, you, if you would Hannah. like to check out some more of his music, please visit theharmedbrothers.com. You can also check him out on our website, jerryspringer.com. And now we're going to ask you, Ray, if you would please take us out on Down by the Riverside and hope that one Mr. Jerry Springer can forgot. hop in on this too. I nearly forgot. <laughs> this is not going to be pretty. I'm what a great way to. Uh, we didn't expect it. It's a great it's way to start out 2018, Jerry. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Services for this song will be held tomorrow morning. You've been listening to 
tales, tunes, and tomfoolery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website, jerryspringer.com.